Welcome, everybody, to the SAS Ramp Podcast. I'm your host, Podcast Pete. Awesome guest on today. Gentlemen, I already have known and worked with. It's a great chance to have him back around. This is Steve Amon. Steve Amon, Managing Partner at Sales Medic Group. Welcome to the call, Steve. Thank you very much, Pete. Happy to be here. And maybe uh, we can help out your audience here learning some more things about this ramp-up transition. So happy to help. Yeah, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it. You're the first of your kind. We have a lot of other type of guests in like hyper-growth SaaS, enablement, sales, but you're training on something really interesting that I'm super excited for the audience to hear about. So sometimes we go straight into you, the company, and everything, but I think, especially now, kind of like macroeconomic situation going on, everybody looking at the end of the year, beginning of the next, I'd like to start fast with a little bit of like looking at what's the biggest challenge you've seen in these software sales orgs over the past year or so. Yeah, sure. Like when in the context of of your audience, right, about people going from a, a ramp up of maybe a product led sales motion into an enterprise motion, which generally means additional stakeholders and also bigger dollars, right? And it's hard. People got to realize like you don't just flip a switch, right? And so one of the biggest challenges is understanding qualification and it's constant qualification because your resources get more expensive internally. And then if you think about your customer that you're now talking about solving more problems for them or something, they need to have more people involved. And everything just the expense of time and money of your org needs to be kind of qualified constantly because there's just so many initiatives that never make it past the whiteboard, right? And so if you really are a customer-centric salesperson, you kind of think about their resources and like what's costing them to engage with you as well as you. And therefore you need to be qualifying them and helping them qualify their own people. And that's hard because sales reps are trained to like keep going until they tell me no or slam the door, blah, blah, blah. And it's a tough transition to be in that qualification mode versus just go until they tell me they stop answering my emails. That's yeah. the biggest challenge, mindset-wise. All right. That, that does, that, it resonates with me personally. And of course, that's why we worked together previously, but also with this audience. So there's a couple of things you said, first of all, and it did prompt you about like the hyper growth SaaS space that you mm -hmm. work in very frequently, but this, this idea that there's product market fit. And then we have these customers who are mostly coming inbound from like a product led growth motion. They're already maybe free users or, or self-service users. And now they're coming to the sales team and trying to get some tiered up piece and it might be one or two individuals. And then at some point you might want to add on a bigger deal and that deal is going to have a lot of people associated to it. And at that point, it's not just, hey, is it a yes or a no? Did they close the door? Did they not? Now you're having to actually have a lot of time and I guess bandwidth expended on whether you're spending time with a customer or not. And that's where this idea yeah. of qualification for the deal comes in. Yeah, when you go from a one or two person engage like this, you have a sales team or whatever, and then you're engaging with maybe two people in the company to get the product led thing in there, right? To six stakeholders, mm -hmm. it's it's a really different deal. 
And therefore, the skill set and the way that you approach it, it that that what worked before doesn't work. A two-person stakeholder deal is way different than a six-person. And then you have the dollars. There's more scrutiny on the dollars from the C-level strategically. So you got that component up here on the dollar spend. And then you've got the multiples trying to get really in that transition. If we go tactical, like from a sales process standpoint, a lot of people put in a consensus stage in their sales process because they're trying to build consensus amongst those six people and they have different viewpoints and it, it's just a lot harder and it takes a up up uplifting skill set to be able to do that so i i have watched this at a couple i've, I've experienced this personally as a rep because i moved in from like the sdr bdr adr everybody all the different letters mm -hmm. whoever right. that, people don't think is going to cold call them that's what they changed the name to into mid-market account executive into enterprise account executive and each level was something so that you either stretch the sales process or you increase the the intensity of it the length of it everything so i kind of personally understand that from a like an individual contributor what's the challenge like why is this a risk of just running your reps into this why shouldn't they just go until somebody says kind of no or closes the door like what's the i don't know what's the business impact, what actually happens here when people run into this challenge? Yeah. So, so the, the thing that, that when you're selling the, like maybe there's someone that, that has an operational cost for trying to reduce. Right. And then you got it security. So you got the two stakeholder sale, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of tactical and those are great sales. Like some people just stay in that environment. Like is it, it's not always the right thing to transition if you're a salesperson right, out of it because you might be better at that and just you can do well there. But if your company is going into, hey, this is where we're going, then as a seller, you need to upgrade your skill set to be able to handle multi-stakeholder deals. And it, what it's just like anything else you try to you've tried to convince two people to do something. It's, it's kind of it's has certain challenges. If you're trying to convince six or eight that it come from different departments in different areas, it gets more complicated, right? And the reason I was harping on qual qualification is internally, these companies think about how fast you're trying to grow. They're trying to do the same thing. And so there's six initiatives that they're looking at and yours is just one. So you got, maybe you got six people that all have six favorite initiatives that they want to work on. And how do you get all six of them to put yours as a priority, right? Over the other things they could do so that you're not basically spinning your wheels in there. And they're like, Hey, your stuff's great, Pete, but uh, you know what? We're going to go, we got a bigger problem over here that we got to go solve. And it's a different, it has nothing to do with your software, right? or what it does, and we're gonna go solve that. So it's a project priority thing. So you got that going on when you go to the enterprise. And if you go, what you said, you just keep going on your initiative and you don't realize that your initiative is ranked sixth and they're only gonna spend money on the top three that they picked, you're, you're completely wasting, and all you have is a seller's time. So you're completely wasting your time with them, probably pissing them off by bugging them, and you're not going to get a deal and you're, and another deal that you could be working on where your initiative is in the top three, you could be working on. And so it's like a double whammy of wasted resources. Okay. And that's, that's the problem. <clears throat> like slip deals, lost deals, opportunity cost, and then 
the in, like the external piece where you're man, you mentioned it, you're pissing them off. Maybe it was a deal for next year that is no longer a deal for yeah. next year because you just yeah. didn't cut it when it was appropriate for both parties. Yeah. And then you're telling yeah. leadership, you're rolling it up to leadership and you're letting them know, yeah. hey, I think this is a good one. Like you just why? Because I talked to them yeah. and they didn't tell me no anymore. Like they didn't say right. we didn't have another call or something along those lines. Right. So like here's like a tactical thing when you're making that transition. You would actually ask. What other initiatives are top of mind at your company now, right? And if you were to, if the executives were to rank them or you heard them rank them or you heard at the water cooler or whatever, what would they be? And then you can kind of look at, go like, hey, are we just annoyed? Like, it's not, it's, they just not be, might not be ready now, right? And so it's not like they're bad prospects or your product isn't good or anything like, it's not about that. It's the fact that in their current business cycle, their priorities are different than the, their other initiatives are more important. And when they show you that, it's like, okay, well, you guys should wait until their priority or their priorities are wrong. I've had three people that had that same ranking that you have, and they all switched this one because of this and this. And like, and you can attack the priorities and have a logical discussion about them, right? But if you just blindly keep sending, checking up emails. Oh, it's oh. just not good. Check in thing is not good. So you can have something to talk about with your sale leader. And then you've got a forecast full of hopium stuff. Like it's just, it's a hope cast, we call it. Right. And, and then everyone's wasting their time talking about opportunities that can't close so they can say they have activity. And that's just wrong for everybody. Okay, that's the really cool. the leadership, the VCs, everybody. Yeah, we got to. I went way. This is like first question. I'm like, well, let's go all the way in, just because I, I get excited about it. But there's a book that we're both a fan of, and and I recently finished called The Qualified Sales Leader. A lot yeah. of stories that unpack some of this from every level, from like individual contributor, from the reps, all the way up into the sales leaders, and explains a little bit of why. It gives a lot of the stories behind it. And you're just like nodding along the whole time, like, oh God, that was me. Oh, that was him. You like see it yeah. from all the angles as you read through it. It's a, it's, 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 it's a well-written book. It speaks about a lot of the topics you're kind of, you're, you're talking about as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's excellent. And it's, and in the story format, it's easy to read. So it won't take you a lot of time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Some of us reps or former reps, we're going to need it. It's either going to have to be a video or an easy to read. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay, then I don't want to assume, and I'll still ask this question, like, because I like to get it down to, you mentioned priorities, so sometimes it's, it's nice to narrow it down into one thing. Just given your experience, the, the companies that you work with, what is the one thing that you would highly recommend that sales orgs kind of focus on in order to make sure that they grow? And we are thinking about these companies that have a million things going on, scaling headcount, and have revenue expectations that are 2 and 3x every single year. Any one thing that if they could focus on, that would make sure that they were successful for that year. Yeah, I'm like, I'm big on like the there's skill sets to sales, right? So, and I'll give you an example. Like I've watched this guy operate at several places. His name is Bob Kosas. He's one of the great SaaS sales leaders in in the world, actually, in my opinion. And when Bob kind of gets hired to take people through some of these transitions, right? And first what he does is he goes and fixes fundamental things like territories, 
alignment of territories and how the, like the SEAE ratios and comp plans. Okay. This is, these are two, if you don't have those two things, right, you can layer on all of the fancy enablement sales processes and the consensus stage, all that stuff. If those two things aren't in place properly, you can't scale. Okay. So he goes and fixes that first, right? Or sets it up for the enterprise because it might be a little bit different in how you arrange territories and the ratio of your SEs to AEs, right? And then what he does is he, he layers in the MedPIC qualification methodology so that people start thinking about that. I'm going to multi-stakeholder. I need to be constantly qualifying. What are the things I'm gauging my qualification around? And it's very fundamental. In Gann's book that we just mentioned, and talks a lot about it, right? And then that provides the foundation for like how do you engage a multi-stakeholder deal, right? And then what he does is make sure that's embedded in the sales process so that his sales process and his opportunities, when they bubble up to him from a forecast category standpoint, like commit, which is a, it's a category, best case, right? And pipeline, there's accuracy. And now we can run his business and decide whether to add more people, where they, they add them, because, because those foundations are, and it gives them a lot better reporting data-wise to the board about an accuracy of a forecast versus the hopecast. And I've just watched them do that two or three times and be very successful at it. So I like that formula works. That's awesome. So not just one thing. It's like, the, you got to fix those that, you know, and they may be right, but, and then you layer in the medic, you and then you layer, and then you embed it in the sales process with the stages and aligned forecast categories. And now you got a predictable business model around sales versus someone pulling a number out of there wherever and saying, hey, we're going to do 20 million. Like, and, then it, and, then, and then you stop the hope casting. And that's success. It's interesting. So a couple things on that one, because you mentioned a lot of things, but they were essentially these fundamentals. You're just you're like, hey, if there's one thing you can do, it's just set the foundation. Like, See if you can have everybody aligned the right way in the correct ratios, in the right territories, and then, uh, and then make sure that they, I mean, MedPIC, we're talking about a, a qualification framework to essentially like ensure that what you're rolling up, what you say you think is going to close will close so that we can roll into a predictable business model. That was a bit of a yeah. mouthful. Like, it, it, did I get that right or anything you want to pick off from yeah. there? I mean, the thing is that, that it, in enterprise selling, you switch from selling what your product does to selling what it does for their business. And that's a business outcome mindset, right? So like, I'll give you an example. If I'm going to go work with Bob, right? I care about his sales performance outcomes, okay? The amount of revenue that he can generate, it's a performance thing, right? The amount of revenue we can generate with the resources that he, ha that he has, with an accuracy of a forecast to meet or exceed his quota targets, right? It's pure performance. It, like thinking about that outcome, I know if Bob doesn't go fix territories and uh, comp plans, I uh, like, okay, so I sell MedPIC training, right? And the professional development, how to do it. I would coach someone like Bob to say, did you fix your territories <laughs> comp plan before we go, like, before I sell you a medic engage, med pick engagement, because if you don't, I'm not going to be as effective at 
raising your sales performance because those fundamentals aren't there. So that's a qualification mindset and an outcome mindset, right? I'm, I know that I'll do better for them if I help guide them on the structure of their own initiatives. I don't have to deal with Bob because he already knows, but other people might not know that, right? And sure. so, and so, yeah, I might be delaying my own revenue stream of MedPick, but in the end, we'll both have a better engagement and better performance. And it's kind of that kind of mindset that, that transitions you from, oh, I got to go sell six MedPick engagements to I'm going to sell the right ones to the right people at the right time. And my revenue will be higher than I, than if I just did. And that's an enterprise kind of thinking. And that's the transition that, that, that's hard for reps that have been successful at, at transactional moving into this because they, they're used to just the, their raw talent and energy and like, you got to get this stuff right into more strategically looking at someone's business and helping them with the priorities. I know a rep who's done extremely well with this, but just to like give uh, context to that, it was a leading rep in 2020 at a PLG organization with over 300 closed one opportunities, over 300. Mm -hmm. So he blew his quota out of the water, as you would expect with 300 opportunities, but 300 opportunities, that same rep today has 20 accounts. So that's a transition to make from 2020 to 2022, making the transition really well. But these are the kinds of things because it's the same organization and he's the same person and his territory is, I mean, territory changed a little bit too, but that many accounts to that many accounts and then the ability to, yeah. and selling at a completely different tier, had to move way up market and, uh, and kind of up the product scale as well. There's four products yeah. in the organization. He can only yeah. sell the tip top three X the next one yeah. product. Yeah. And then if you, if there's people on here from a sales enablement standpoint that need help or whatever, it's like you need this. You're trying to upskill these people. It's a skill like, like running a proper discovery process is a skill, right? Like negotiations is a skill. That one's pretty straightforward, right? But like, and qualification is a skill, right? And so if you, for the enablement audience, it's like, okay, how am I going to skill up these very talented, very motivated, someone that can close 300, like the raw energy to do that and the talent to do that. And the, just getting the paperwork done at yeah. that. There's a lot of raw talent out there from a sales system, but you know, the enablement people have to put in a structure. Maybe they need some assistance too on like those Upskilling those specific skills, like like running a discovery process, it's different multi-stakeholder, single stakeholder, and you can't just say, "Go do it." You gotta you gotta upskill. So, enablement needs to have that mindset of like these are skills, and then you gotta compare it to, okay, what are the best doing, right? And like how can I, and how do you know, right? So you gotta have some measurements in place, and that's the more sophisticated enablement teams know that and they know how to do that. But if you never done it before, right, you mm -hmm. might need some help to take you through as if you're an enabled person through that transition by someone that's done that before that knows and has the content of the skill set to train the reps versus like just telling them they have to do it and wishing them good luck. Right. Well, that's right. You'll get some different answers. 
in those Salesforce buckets if you just throw them in there. So sure. a, couple, a couple of letters and some fields. Let's. It's so fun. To, I just really wanted to unpack that business challenge because I think it was going to resonate with the audience. A lot of members of the audience who are in that transitionary period right now and looking at how to do that. But yeah, who's Steve? Like, how did what kind of professional experiences? Oh you yeah, have to get where you are. Like, we'll just kind of back up a little bit and have some fun there. Yeah, just briefly, like a lot of a, a lot of things are luck, but when luck meets perseverance and hard work and blah blah blah, then then magic happens, right? So I happened to decide to go into the software industry after like a brief stint in another career. And then I read about this company in this magazine. I thought, wow, if that software actually does what it says, this is going to change like how the whole world does like mechanical design of products. Mm -hmm. And so I called them up and I said, uh, does this stuff really work? Because it sounds too good to be true, right? And the guy's like, well, there's issues, right? But it generally it's the fundamentals of it. So anyway, that company was called Parametric Technology Company. At the time, it was like 10 million in sales, big competitors. No one knew if it would do well, blah, blah, blah. But they had that, that, that game-changing fundamental difference in how they approached the problem. And, and the luck part was the fact that the leader, sales leadership team there was so much better than any other sales leadership team. And I didn't know that, right? And that's where McMahon, like we hired McMahon and people like John McMahon who wrote the book like that. And it was like the, 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 in this environment, this like hyper skilled me up from watching these people operate and develop. And anyway, in the course of that engagement, we uncovered the med now medpick sales methodology as our constant qualification methodology and then so then i learned it because we developed it and then uh, about six years ago i left being a vp of sales and all the different sales roles like you were mentioning right into helping my business partner jack napley is known as the godfather of, of medic because he was in the room when it was created at ptc to help share how to do constant qualification at the enterprise level with other companies. So we started a business just doing that. That's all we do. And, and I've been doing that for the last six and a half years, just prom promoting really what I did and learned as a seller and help people with this transition and work with CROs and enablement people. And it's been wonderful to, to be able to do that and, and help people like Bob that I mentioned before increase the sales performance and and everybody wins right the customers win because they get the right aligned products from the companies the sales reps are making quota and and all that stuff because of something that i learned that i could show them yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What we do okay that's right again experienced it before really helpful it we kind of took that personalized it made additional pieces of content trained on that for new hires rolling through this is postman organization and yeah. And it, it's been a it's been a foundation moving forward, and and again we you mentioned a few of these and maybe we should just give a high level, but it's it's medic. There's someone with a one C. There's medic two Cs. There's med pick. Yeah. P in between. Yeah. We have we've added some letters, so that's uh, well, it's still the same essential framework that we're rolling forward. With. Yeah. Would you take a moment for anybody who is unaware? They understand that this is a constant qualification framework, but 
maybe roll through these couple of letters. And then, of course, anybody Googles this, they'll understand what that is and get a little backstory. But just from the man himself. As yeah. Well, what that uh, is. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's actually like the higher level skill letters and then there's the operational letters. So let me just touch on the three higher level skill letters, right? And that's metrics, implication of pain and, and champion. Okay. So when you are making this transition, right, into the enterprise thing, and it's in the brain is like, okay, I used to sell what my product did. Now I'm going to sell what my product did for their does for their business. That's an M. You got to understand business outcomes that they're trying to improve and then be able to align them to different stakeholders, right? Because different stakeholders sometimes have different operational outcomes. And then also within M is the fact that you need to tell them a relevant story of something you've done for another customer. We call those M1. Those are your reference stories. So like, Oh, you think you can improve my, my customer experience, right? Have you done that before? I go, yeah, I help, helped Delta Airlines improve their customer experience with Medallia over, and we were competing against Alaska Airlines. And we were able to win the JD Power Award because we improved customer experience with that software, right? And would you like to be able to beat your biggest competitor on have a higher level CX and get the JD Power Award? I didn't say anything about what Medallia does. I just talked about the business strategic outcomes that they're trying to prove. Someone in that company is in charge of CX. I want them on a stakeholder team, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impact that outcome. So that's a brief understanding of M. And then I is just kind of the flip of M. It's the implication of the pain. So... Oh, if you remain number two behind Alaska, how much revenue are you losing? <laughs> because your CX is lower than theirs and more people are going over to Alaska, right? So you go, well, how much is that? Like roughly, right? And that's, that's the implication of pain, which is really the delta between the as-is state two outcomes and the 2B state, right? JD Power Awards ranked number one. So you got to understand that as the outcome selling mindset in M&I. And then you got to find someone in the organization that's going to herd the cats. It's going to, it's going to be, I want to be, I want to get promoted because I was the one that got something that improved CX and beat Alaska and got the JD Power Awards. And I'm going to get all my little other stakeholders rallied around the fact that this is the best thing we could do. We could add more people. We could buy more servers. We could buy more planes. We could paint the tails, right? All the other projects they could do like, oh, we need a, Alaska has an Eskimo, right? Like Delta, maybe they got it. Oh, if we changed our logo, more people, you know what I mean? There's all yeah. kinds of ideas. Yeah, They're going to pick something that drives CX from a software standpoint. It's going to have a bigger impact than repainting the tail, right? And someone basically says, bets their career that dropping two million bucks on this software is going to raise CX and get them the award, and that's the champion. So if you don't, if you don't understand those three things, you're still selling transactionally, and you're not using MedPick properly, and and so so all this, those are the three like higher skill level things. It's it's it's, it's simple for me to explain them. The skill set to be able to do that with six competing stakeholders and blah, 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 and all that stuff, it's hard, but it can't, 
it can be done. But the frame's the same, right? It's that, would that help or did I overdo it? No, that's, that's great. That's great. Like, cause it, cause it's just three of them too. It just helps like, okay, let's just narrow focus to these three particular ones. These that are based yeah. highly around business outcomes and business pain. Like what you called M and I, the flips, like that's the transition. It's a transition away from product and into what is the true value for their business. And like, it's a hard transition to make because you feel like in this highly technical product you probably have, the million mm -hmm. things are very proud that you have actually learned about it if you're a non-technical yeah. original seller. And that's what you've been selling to maybe developers before. And now it may be that you need to go up above a technical individual contributor developer and speak to somebody else about the business value. So you have to get above. And then you have to yeah. actually be able to speak on their terms. Like it's a transition into business acumen, I think, that is yeah. a... It's a leap. It's a leap in this framework kind of outlines what leap you need to make. Right. Like, and you need to be able to don't forget your product stuff. I'm not saying that you just need to be able to make the connection between the product capabilities and the outcomes that they drive. So you can ask questions about the outcomes and then go, and then you reverse it. Basically, well, this is decision criteria. So I'll throw in the first D, right? Is that once, once you've been able to understand the priorities of the projects and the out, the outcomes that you could help them with their as is state, the M and the I stuff, the implication of the pain, right? Then you go back to capabilities of your solution. Okay. So you go back down. It's not really down. It's just, just different. It's just different. They're different priorities, right? The technical people cared about the features and functions, right? Then you re-link the key differentiated capabilities of your product to those outcomes, right? And then you go do some kind of validation event to show that if we do these, I will improve, let's just, I will improve CX, right? If I have these capabilities. So you're constantly aware of the two things and how they interrelate, the capabilities and the outcomes, right? And it's like, well, then you need these capabilities to, to do this. And then we're the bat, we're, we're, I'll show you that, go look at, Three other things. I don't care. Judge them on this criteria that are linked to the outcomes and may the best software win, right? Yeah. So yeah. great med pick salespeople will first design that decision criteria and then go to battle. Transactional ones, let's talk about some mistakes. Transactional people that don't have that mindset and that operational and how M&I and DC work together will just go, oh, we're going to do a PO, let's do it. And they'll go do the POC. Maybe the criteria has been designed by the competition, right? And they'll, and then they'll lose. And they're like, oh, I lost because we didn't have this or that. And it's like, no, you really lost because you didn't design the criteria up front to make sure that it's like win before you go to battle, right? It's like, so, so, so we're getting kind of into the how-tos, which is fine, but it's a mindset, right? That's, if you see a rep with 300 POCs and a success rate of 10%, they're just letting the customer define the security and hope. It's this quote, PC, POC and hope. Strong. <laughs> yeah. When, I, don't know, I, I believe the majority of the audience has been in the position before, but it's very like, it's a very hopeless feeling for the rep as well. It's not just bad for the company, but like it is a bit of a, it is hard to like be in a place where some things are out of your control. And so it's sculpting yeah. process in which at least you'll know on the front end, whether it's yeah. what percentage chance it actually has to close. Cause your CRM will tell you 
but that's just because you moved the button over. Like this is like an yeah. way to yeah. really determine what you think yeah. you might have for a month or a quarter. It's just stronger yeah. Yeah. to give you more confidence. Yeah. Our opposite MedPIC acronym is called lazy. And lazy means lots of activity, zero yield. I'm really busy, but <laughs> right? I got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline. Look how busy I am. And, and brother, my end performance, right, is 50% a quota because I was just chasing things that could never close, but I was really busy. So, so that's the opposite of med pick is L-A-Z-Y. <laughs> Lots of in a different way than you would have even thought. Like, cause it's like, it's just like it's acronym things Jack's famous for, because he goes, reps need like quick things to remember. So like they're in a situation like, am I being lazy or am I being med picky? Right. And like, and like, they got, you got to make these decisions fairly quickly because they're busy. And these little mnemonic acronym things, the seller's world of constant stuff, they're really helpful because you go like, am I being lazy here? Yeah. And it will tick your brain and then you'll stop and you'll make a demand that a customer or a prospect has written decision criteria. And they're like, and then you know, if they won't give it to you or do that, blind outcomes that the chance of them getting something are slim and the chance of them getting your things are slim. And so you're out, right? And mm -hmm. you're not being lazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, it's, a, it's a lot to unpack. And I mean, I already, look, it's 35 minutes in. I knew this would happen because it's just like, it's interesting. You want to keep on going yeah. down. For those who find this as interesting as I do, where, before we do our final question, where can, yeah. uh, where can you be found? Where do you like to? Uh, yeah. So our website is www.salesmedic with one C to give it, it was the original thing since mm -hmm. Jack was the original founder of it. Salesmedic, M-E-D-I-C.com. We have full descriptions of who we are, the workshops that we offer live and virtual, our differentiators. We basically set it up. If you're thinking about a medic thing, like what would so there's different people that offer different options. You can look at ours. We're all about, are we the right fit? And uh, happy to help people. We're coming up on what I call SKO season 2023. Yes. So uh, if you have a request to utilize this, please try to get it in as, but get it in early because we do book up because there's only four of us. But we're happy to help and take people through this transition and, uh, and focus just like I did with Bob, right? Like sales performance outcomes, moving the needle on sales performance with uh, understanding this from a how-to perspective and helping enablement with skilling up. And, uh, and we've seen the elite of the elite do it. So we have the bar for you to measure your thing against. And you, you got to crawl, walk, run in a lot of places. You can't just be, I'm going to be elite today, right? Like you need to that. So we help people with, okay, start with this and then move to this and move to this. So it's eating the you get, you gotta, it just depends on your as is state, but happy to help. And when you call, we'll qualify you and you can qualify us. It's a mutual thing and it's all about the right fit. It is perfect. That's perfect. perfect. And that's a better ending than I had. So that's it for us. That was great, Steve. I really appreciate <laughs> it. That was great for our audience. Sure. And I hope we get to work together again soon in some capacity because it's always a pleasure. I learn and then I can in turn help and any reps that uh, I get to work with and leaders also yeah. get to learn. So yeah, yeah. Well, we have a mutual M1 story success at Postman together, right? So but, there you go. But that's it. That's it. We'll be your Delta and we'll, and our competition can be that. There you go. <laughs>
Well, that's the best indicator of future performance is past performance. So that's why those M1 stories are so important and why customers should be very skeptical if you don't have any or have any memorized because you're like, what did they just cook this thing up and no one's ever like, like, so, so, so help them by being very fluent in what you've done for other customers, especially from an outcome standpoint, be amazed at how that will open doors for you. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great tip right there in itself. Unless you're selling from a slide deck and you haven't hired any engineers to build the software in the background, you only have to do that once, though. So you should have it after that, right? Sure. Right. That's the that's where you're just looking for a customer fit. That's you just want someone to talk to you. Like you're not even ready for MedPick, really. <laughs> no, no, no. It's interested to see if there's product market fit. That's a different thing. Those are the different. <laughs> Steve, yep. thank you so much. That was brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you much.